Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. And it is your boy, Trav. <laughs> and we are your Oscar Grouches. And normally we talk about uh, Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine the Academy went wrong if they went wrong. But this is our Thursday series, Thursdaysy. And we are discussing the oeuvre of the knower of cinema, Martin Scorsese, week by week. And what are we right. watching this week, Zach? We're watching one of Marty's shorts from NYU, 1964's It's Not Just You, Murray. And this is everybody's first time seeing this. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I technically watched it last week because I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> but that was my first time watching it, so yes. I kind of felt like that when I first turned this on. Is this the right movie? <laughs> so... And I don't have any awards breakdowns on it. I know it won some it's kind of uh, film festival. Uh, yeah, some student film festival award. Bro, yeah, what else the... did they show at this film festival? Sorry, Zach. Uh, <laughs> what else did they show at this film festival for them to say that one? That's the one. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know, but uh, I guess we'll uh, just jump into it. I kind of <laughs> love this. <laughs> I guess it's the Producers Guild Award for Best Student Film. Um, and the Jesse L. Lasky Intercollegiate Award. Oh, Ooh, you know, Jesse. Man. Jesse L. Lasky. Mm -hmm. Jesse L. Lasky must be important if he's throwing out collegiate awards. <laughs> Not just any collegiate award, the Intercollegiate yeah. Award. <laughs> you know, um, my, my feeling on this up front is okay if i were just sitting down and watching this randomly i'd be like uh, you know okay whatever but thinking of a 20 to 21 year old martin scorsese making this and it being a college student's film if i if i had a friend who's in college making this movie i'd be holy shit good job dude yeah um or dudette if it were um as the case may be as the case mm -hmm. may be um and yeah, I mean, you see a lot of his like like we've talked with the other stuff so far. You see a lot of his uh, themes that will continue on. Um, talk about that more a little bit. Speak a little, Paul. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Like, are either of you aware of the 48 hour film project? No, but no, was that something from the most important person in? No, it it, it sounds like it is. Uh, Roger Corman did not start this. So there's this thing that happens in the U.S. Every, pretty much every year. I don't know if it happened last year. And it's a competition called the 48-Hour Film Project in which uh, a group a group of people have uh, hand down an assignment. And the assignment is to make a short film in 48 hours. You are given a character with, a, with a, an occupation, a line of dialogue, and a prop that you have to add into the movie so that they can authenticate that you didn't just enter, like make something and then enter it into this project. Uh, and you just get all sorts of weird things. Oh, and they give you a genre. <laughs> okay. They give you a genre. Oh, I, I have one that's floating around on, uh, on YouTube. That's a silent film. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, well, how can it be a silent film if you get a line of dialogue? 
uh well the silent films have the title cards oh so that counts yeah okay i mean they gave you silent films so okay you have you just have to work within the parameters anyway uh a lot of those amateur kind of films remind me of especially this film mm-hmm. where you're trying to be high concept and stand out on no budget yeah. and uh i think marty kind of just knocked it out of the park with this one it's so much fun to watch yeah i mean if i was a teacher like let's just say i was a teacher or something and i'm skimming the film as an up-and-coming filmmaker just trying to kind of see what to give this child a grade or whatever i don't want to judge it too harshly because again it's 1964 he's in college he's 20 you know it's probably better than anything i could even do now you know at 20 years old so I'm not just going to come up here and shit on it. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know all these things, dude. You know, I was just sent the link to the movie, and I put it on, and I was like, God, this is terrible. I don't know what is going on. I understand that they're bootlegging Jen, and they're some sort of a gangster. And um, he sleeps with his wife. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's all I gathered from this. I don't yeah, know so- what the hell was going on. Essentially, you have Murray, who's this who's this hotshot kind of guy, and he's mm-hmm. you you get that by him running down how much he's spent on these things. Which well, I was of course, to, his looks too. He's like, yeah, I'm the shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, of course, in in 2021, the the amount of money he's saying he spent on all these things sounds next to yeah. nothing. But you know, 1964, a 200 dollars suits akin to like a five thousand yeah. dollars suit now. Now, is there? I'm. I it was bothering me i i should probably know it is there another movie or something that uses that you like this it's uh it's this much there might be uh, i feel I'm, like i've seen it referenced before which is a kind of an odd thing to reference but i mean if you're a Scorsese nerd or something well yeah i was about to say, i could definitely see it yeah yeah it there's there's a chance especially with a lot of the films that he has voiceover work in so there's there's we might see that down the road. I, I kind of hope we do because it'd be a nice little callback. Yeah. But yeah, so um, you get this high roller who uh, reveals that he essentially started creating his fortune in bootlegging about 30 years earlier. And him and his friend, his friend Tom escaped the authorities, but he went to jail. And then the two of them were just into all sorts of gangster shit afterwards. (laughs) All sorts of gangster shit. All sorts. You know, I I feel like um, I'm not going to call out too much that's in the future, but the, the weakness of the movie is not anything with his camera work. You know, he's always good with the camera. He knows what he's doing, but the, the writing isn't very tight. And I think when we look at lots of, uh, lots of his best stuff, is he's uh, directing something that somebody else is writing, or you know, at least he has a, a another main collaborator. He's working on something that he's adapting from something else. Yeah, and I think he's he's at his best when he's just left to direct. Um, yeah, the narrative is a little odd, but again, you only have fifteen minutes, and he probably, like you said, did it in a rush. And I'll say there's a lot of the stuff where I I enjoy that it's trying to be messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when he's doing the rundown of all the stuff at the beginning and he's talking about getting in the car to go for a ride. He's like, wait, no, stop it. Cut, cut everything. Just stop now. 
so there's there's like an implied messiness to Murray as kind of an unreliable narrator, which I yeah. I kind of like. Oh, mm-hmm. and again, this this is the second short movie that he's made, and mm-hmm. he's never made an actual feature film before. At this right. point, nope. So I mean, it, it's I just pretty damn good, you know, for second time you're ever really putting something together. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, even though I didn't enjoy it personally, I can see that um, there, there's a talent there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of, you know, what Paul and I have said on the first couple of things that we've watched so far. He's, of course, we started with um, his first feature, which is actually a few years from this, and, and you see it come together more there, but he's tightening it up. He's figuring out what his style is and um, still a lot of that European influence with the the camera movements and the following people and the hand cam kind of stuff. And, yeah. And this one pulls in a lot of American influence too, because it has that dance sequence that almost feels like a Busby Berkeley. Right. Uh, old, old Hollywood musical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, feeling. And oh yeah. I, I really enjoyed that too. Well, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this more like down the line as we're really diving into his actual career. But, um, fuck, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> um, fuck, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn you, Scorsese. Uh, he gets you all in a tizzy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, overall, I, I, I found this just kind of delightful and, and light and breezy and, Again, you see a lot of a lot of his what you have to assume is real life influence. He probably right. knows like ten Murrays. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that, <laughs> yeah, I thought I read it somewhere like it was based on his uncle. I can't remember. That's, that's but, a great possibility. Uh, yeah, yeah Mar- Martin Scorsese been dry snitching on people for like fifty years now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. this is what I was gonna say. Um, as we're diving into his films and stuff, do you think back then that directors were given a more, a bit of leeway with their first couple projects than they are now? Cause some people will put out like their first project and it bombs and it's like, well, sorry, dude. Yeah. No, I, I, I think there's probably, I don't want to say less competition, but it, I don't know. There, there's more room to play with budgets back around this time, right. especially with, with the emergence of new Hollywood where things are made getting made right. cheaper because you're going from like the ballooning budgets of, of uh, the grand musicals and the, the giant Westerns and suddenly stuff like Bonnie and Clyde and midnight cowboy are coming out. And they cost a fraction of the budget and they're making just as much money. Right. So, you know, you, you throw, two three million dollars at someone like martin scorsese and he goes out there and makes 15 or even 10 like that's that's still kind of a hit right yeah because when you look at his filmography it's like taxi drivers his first like big notable hit that like a standard worldwide and that's his fifth movie who were who was the dude that did back to the future uh robert zemeckis dude he had a bunch of bombs oh yeah um back. back to the future i don't feel like directors get 
I don't feel like directors get the chance to bomb a couple times and still get, you know, the trust. Yeah, I think it depends on the property they're working with, but you're you're pretty pretty right. Like if yeah. they're given like something that, hey, this is supposed to be a sure thing, right? But maybe indie director is getting. Yeah, and and you know, and a lot of indie directors, if they get a a not even a massive hit, but at least a passable hit under their belt, they're almost always brought in as someone like Disney can push around to be huh. the next Marvel director. Yeah, I I feel like you're you're silently talking about uh, Takiti. Oh, Taika Waititi. Taika, no, yes. because I feel like Taika was given a lot of free reign to inject his personality. I was thinking more of um, I can't think of their names. The two directors that did Captain Marvel. Uh, they, no clue. They that movie did, is just not good. It's yeah. not a very good movie. Uh, and I think that that comes down to the studio giving them a ton of notes because they feel like they could push them around. Mm-hmm. And they did like half Nelson with Ryan Gosling, which is a really good movie and sugar, which is a great baseball film from like yeah. probably the best baseball film of the last 20 years. Anna Bowden, Ryan Fleck. Yeah, there you go. And they brought them in to do Captain Marvel. And I think, I think the film hurts because it, it feels like it's a pile of studio notes. Well, well, and now we're completely off subject, but also, too, we're talking about a movie that's halfway inserted here in the timeline, halfway inserted here in the timeline. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you know what I it mean? Needs to, so. It needs to service more than its own story, so it suffers from it. Right. And right, again, right. that's all because the studio. So anyway, uh, I didn't mean to get onto a Marvel <laughs> no, tangent. I, I mostly just meant, like, you know. Yeah. Those, those are the kind of directors now, if they get a couple of decent hits, that studio like major studios will bring them in for things but yeah uh most people aren't really allowed to to bomb the way that you could in yeah. the 60s or 70s someone like jason reitman is kind of a different story but i mm-hmm. think it's mostly because he's ivan reitman's kid oh yeah that's like, him he had a giant hit with juno and like his next like five or six films right yeah yeah all just tanked sometimes that even happens though, yeah even though like three of them are really good <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, when we're talking about Scorsese specifically, you know, he's, he, uh, right out of the gate, even if, you know, looking back on it, we're not in love totally with his student work. It, it was recognized at the time as some of, there's some quotes out there, like among, among the best student films that they'd seen. Um, and so he's got the, the kind of the critical, darling thing and then he goes out and he wins a like another uh one or nominated for um who's that knocking at my door so he's mm-hmm. getting on the, the radar as like a little critic darling and then builds up a little bit i think you know you mentioned taxi driver that's that's i'd say his first masterpiece but with mean streets he's he's definitely like on the scene mm-hmm. and people are like okay so he's just like ramping up slowly rather yeah. than having bombs or anything yeah, and then Boxcar Bertha is under Corman, so you know, you know it's probably either just going to be exploitation or violence. Like it's yeah, I yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I've I've had that one for so long, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm I've never seen it either, but I love Corman, so we'll see how that goes. All right, so we got anything else, gentlemen? No, no, I'm good. No, I like uh, like we said with all the shorts, all of the shorts are on YouTube, so you can pop on and watch them and get a taste of what we're talking about. Yeah. 
All right. And All right, I think, so- uh, is this me and Zach's first podcast together? No, uh, we were on, uh, what we do? Uh, yeah, you came on for great Zigfield. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. Okay. I, I replaced John just like yeah. I am now. So there we go. Okay. <laughs> I, man, I couldn't remember. I knew that we had done an episode together for your podcast, but I, I thought yeah. it was drinking age movies that yeah. uh, I didn't think it was for this. So yeah, you were on great Zigfield. Then you were right. uh, a ghost attendee on Casablanca. That's right. Yeah. The great Zigfield. <laughs> Great Zigfield was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Not not great. No, it, it certainly isn't. But, uh, That's the it, one movie Jonathan still needs to watch. Yeah, but it did have scenes that reminded me of uh, of the musical sequence in this. So yeah, jeez. <laughs> I mean, at least the musical sequences in that film are very well directed. Yeah, good shots too. Like they were filmed good too. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some worsty judgments. And I'm going to put a pause in here, unlike Jonathan. I was making fun of for that on the episode. Um, so. He Trent, does do that, though. He just goes straight into it. It's hilarious. <laughs> I think about it every week he does it. He's like, let's go into our worsty judgments. And. <laughs> dude, dude, sometimes it is like. Uh... All right, so let's get into our worst judgments poll. And if there's no break for me to even like, there's not even a pause between worst judgments, Paul. Like nothing, yeah. bro. So it's really difficult sometimes. Like I gotta cut it and then like trail off his voice a little bit and make it sweep in. Oh, that's funny. Thank you for thank you for your wizardry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, trap. Yes. Based on. All the all the Scorsese films that you have watched up into this point, all one of them. Is all this one the worst thing Scorsese has ever directed? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, but you know, again, twenty year old in college, messing around with a camera. You know, we're talking about a guy that I I had I built like my own recording thing when I was sixteen, and I was recording, handing out CDs at school, and it is terrible, terrible. <laughs> so you know. I'm not hating on him. You know what I mean? So, right. but yes, this is his worst, uh, the worst thing I've ever seen from Martin Scorsese. All right, Zach, up to this point. Up to this point, I'm going to have to say, now I can't remember what I said last time. I'm I, having I, the same problem. <laughs> I, I think um, What's a Nice Girl Like You is still kind of his worst. It, it was year before this, and he, and he hadn't quite... Uh, there's some sharper editing here and a little bit better camera work. Um, still kind of had the narrative issue on both of those, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this as his first. That's wild. I think, I think I'm with you there, Zach. Like this. Jeez. <laughs> I'm is, just like, it's worse sh- than this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seven It's a little more long. loose. It doesn't feel as narratively cohesive as this film. Uh, I think this film has a, a a more playful tone to it than the other one does. Though that one is playful, but it's mostly done with stills, and it's it's not as like yeah. visually striking as this one is. So yeah, I think I'm going to go with that one as well. But of course, as I said last week, I won't be ranking the shorts along with the films. All right. So, yeah. Uh, well, that, so that's what I was going. to Do you think we're just judging these a little too hard? I mean, seven minutes. 
that other yeah, one. You uh, know what I mean? Like, you yeah, think we're judging it too harshly? It's not that judging deep. what we got. Yes. So far. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is just on what we watched. But once, uh, once we start actually getting into his films, his I'm not, right. I'm not going to keep talking about yeah. these shorts as the worst thing he's done. I'm, I'm basing the shorts just on each other and calling what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this is the worst thing he's directed is really just kind of he wasn't there yet he hadn't found like what he was about yet this one kind of steps into that direction a little bit more i think big shave is a really solid short uh and then of course who's that knocking on my door is just a really interesting uh exercise in uh combining two different stories so once like i said once we get into the films the shorts are just going to drop away for me i'll you know discuss them probably when we cover other shorts because we have two more that are a little lengthier so it's hard to call them short films but for the most part yeah i i I think if i was thinking of them as bad films i'd be judging them a little harsher because i mean lord knows i've done some really bad things As (laughs) as an actor i've done some some bad material. Uh, <laughs> but, I've got some really bad things on YouTube that I made when I was 21 or 22. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think I'm judging them harshly. I think I'm judging them based on uh, just what we've seen so far. Yep. Okay. All right. So we're going to call it there. Trav, where can people follow you on the socials media? Well, of course, if you don't know, my name is Trav. I'm from the podcast leveling up with Benjamin Banks. And uh, you can find that podcast at Leveling Up Banks on all social media platforms, podcast, Spotify, podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, yada, yada, yada. You, if it's there, you can find us and you can find me personally at ZK Audio on the Instagram and you can find me on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K. Mr. McCoy? Yeah, you can find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, or TikTok, House Havoc. Paul? You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I have watched. Uh, this week, I went and saw The Suicide Squad, which, of course, has caused some controversy over James Gunn invoking the name of the knower of cinema. I, I saw that. <laughs> But, hey, was James Gunn wrong? I think he's one of those clickbaity headlines. I mean, the, the I, whole... I think so, too. <laughs> uh, hey, we, well, hey a... my man was asked the question. He gave yeah. the answer. And, I mean, it's the same with, same with Marty that burned this whole thing two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's been two years, people. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, at Father of the Fear across all platforms. Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching the Woodstock documentary. Paul, what, what was Marty's role in that? He he and his editor, Thelma Shoemaker, are editors on the film. And I will discuss why we have picked this next week. Okay. Uh, it's available, the director's cut, which is five and a half hours, is available on HBO Max. <laughs> That's not the version we will be watching, but you are welcome to watch that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's also on uh, Amazon, Google, and YouTube. All right. Well... We would like to thank Trav. Hey, there he is. Thank you. From our sister podcast, Love and Benjamin Banks, for producing our show and being our most beautiful, beautiful guest host from now on. 
We would like to thank Cham Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. I guess we should give a, a shout out to the Rolling Stones for providing that theme song. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar vs. Pod and on Facebook at The Oscar vs. Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a nice review, preferably five stars on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. really helps us to be seen the almighty rhythm of alcohol. For Trav and Zach and Murray, I would like for you all to have a damn fun day. <laughs> <laughs>